Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in three, two, one. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is good to see you. It is good to be here and to see you. Um, this is uh, the year of the Lord 2021. It is a year that God is going to be at work. Um, he's going to be working in our lives. He'll be making a difference in each and every one of us. And right this year, we are, we are thinking about that whole call of thriving. How do we thrive um, as, as people that follow God, are able to live lives that, that thrive, that are really beautiful. You know, recently I was reading an article from Baraza. Um, this guy, the petrol head, articles in, in the nation. How many guys read that article? It looks like I'm one of those very rare guys who read that thing on, on, on vehicles, on cars. But about it, it, he, he was writing about taking the new Land Rover um, Defender on a drive. And so he says when it was on the highway, you know, it was an okay ride. But he had real problems with it because he, it was guzzling fuel in a bad way. You know, and, he was, and his advice was, you know, this is not a good idea to take this just for drives on the highway. But once they went to the rougher ground. Once they went to a place that, you know, was tough and, and, and difficult, from there he was just full of praise. You know, because, you know, even about the fuel consumption, he was happy. Because that particular vehicle is designed for truly tough terrain. It is designed for off-road. And when it's there, it thrives. But you take it away from, from its design purpose. And it can work. It can work, but you can never get the best out of it. It can never thrive. Thriving, thriving. Thriving is growing in perfect alignment to your nature, to your design. Thriving is doing what you were made for. You know, thriving relates to producing what counts. The fruit that you were designed for. That that becomes a part of your life. Thriving brings joy as you serve real joy and we must differentiate you know joy and pleasure because pleasure is momentary it isn't deep but joy joy is a state of being and it's deeper it's much much more meaningful and even when things are hard apparently negative you know joy can be present and it will be present if you're if you're thriving like that land rover driving through the rocks driving through the really hard place you know last week we looked at the testimony of the Apostle Paul in the letter to the Philippians. Paul was in jail. Um, he was under the threat of death, death and yet he had joy. He had a contentment that was deep, that was really on the inside, no matter what else was happening. It was independent of that. You know, what Paul was going through didn't bring him pleasure. It wasn't something that he was saying. He was able to say, this is fun, but what his life was producing gave him deep joy. His life and circumstances around him were producing fruit. The kind of fruit that gave him true and deep satisfaction. He was thriving in the midst of everything else that was going on. Why? Because he had discovered something really powerful. Through Christ, he was now connected to his design purpose. He was connected to the eternal purpose of the creator who had made him for a purpose. It was on purpose and for a purpose. And his, his, his life was now making a truly 
different, you know, a powerful difference. A difference that would impact him. It was going to impact, you know, other people and, you know, all the way down to us and into eternity. You were designed by God, made on purpose for a purpose. If you want to thrive, if you want to have that deep contentment, deep satisfaction about the way your life is productive, you have to look to him. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, the Bible says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. It's like a tree that is by the water. It's flourishing at all times. And it is productive every season, in season. It is not brought down by the adverse seasons. Whatever else is going on, that tree prospers. That is thriving. And then it says in verse 4, And not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. They become nothing. You know, there are choices you make in order to thrive. The choice to walk away from the advice and perspective of people who are pointing a different path for your life. The choice to follow God's design, to follow the path that God has called you to, to internalize it. That's what it means when it says meditate on it day and night. Make it the pattern for your life. The result, a life that thrives, a life that is fruitful. Regardless of the situation, like Paul, you'll be finding fruitfulness even in the darkest situation. And so I want to invite you to align your life for success. In a recent article, Rick Warren um, noted, you know, to be human is to live your entire life without knowing the future. The only one who knows the future is God. He is above and outside of time. We are not. But not knowing the future often creates unnecessary anxiety and stress in our lives. And recent surveys have shown that 66% of people are fearful of the future. And I'm sure that given what happened in the year 2020, um, the more recent um, surveys will start finding that it's even higher than that 66%. Because, you know, we went through that situation where COVID just threw everything up in the air. Whatever we thought was normal was just blown out of the water. But guys... That is the joy of serving God. That is the joy of being connected with God. Because for him, the future is as plain as this moment that we are in right now. You know, he, he knows everything. And when we align our lives with him, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to worry about tomorrow. Our leader and guide already knows what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, God the Son, you know, Jesus, when he was living his life among us, he said... Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. That's Luke 12, verses 22 and 23. And, and isn't this just so true? Isn't this just so true? You know, who doesn't know people who maybe have, you know, better food and, and better clothes, but no joy? And on the other hand, we know people who have less quality, you know, better, less, you know, they have much less than we have. And they, they, they aren't dressed as well as we are. And yet, 
they seem to be having a much more fulfilling, more joyful life than we do. You know, wealth can buy you pleasure, but not fulfillment. And Jesus goes on in verse 29 of that same chapter. He says, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And all these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When you align with God, you are living in the most secure and fulfilling life that you could ever find. The most fulfilling situation that would ever touch your lives. Where empowering you to thrive is actually God's agenda. It's his agenda to empower you to, to thrive. Let's talk about some of the things that we must do so that we might be aligned to thriving, aligned to God in order to thrive. And the first one I want to mention is make your plans with God. Make them in response to God. Pray and listen. And, and, and please let your, 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 your plans be founded in prayer. Don't just ask God to bless the plans that you have already made, you know, without him. Begin with prayer. Begin with him in mind. Start planning and inviting him into the whole process and then entrust those plans to him. You know, as Jesus said, it's not what I want, it's what you want. That is to be the goal. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 to 6. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Uh, God says, you know, when we lack wisdom, we should ask. And he won't hold back if we are asking with this trusting heart that he calls us to have. And then once you know the path, step into the arena of action. Joshua 1.9. I wonder if you've, you've memorized it. I was inviting us to, to memorize this passage. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, once you've heard from God, engage. Get in there and, and, and start acting. You know, fully give of yourself into that work. You know, thinking about, for example, David in his battle with Goliath, it was an amazing thing for him to choose to go to fight with this giant. But what David did was he gave, he put his life really in the hands of God. He said, God is the one who is going to make me victorious. On the other hand, there's, there's a lady, in fact, she's referred to as the witch of, of Endor, um, who, who, who says when she has dealt with it, she's spoken to King Saul, you know, there was a threat on her life because Saul was killing all the, all the witches. And then she says to him after he had come to see her, he says, I took my life into my hands. And, and, and this is a form of courage, but it is founded on the wrong things. It is founded on myself and the things that I am able to do. Place your life in God's hands. This is where you need to be. You know, Jesus, even on the cross, he says, into your hands, I commend my spirit. He is the eternal God. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in God. He's the one who is able. And my personal experience, his word is good. He is with us everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. Number three, have a passion for truth and learning. A passion for truth and learning. John 8, 32, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It'll set you free. 
You know, the foundation of, of life is God's truth. It's, it's Jesus' teaching, but the truth in general is an amazingly powerful thing. You know, these days, when we, when, especially as we interact with the internet and, and, and everything else, you know, we are getting more and more of information that just reinforces our opinions rather than giving us the truth. And look where that led the U.S. just, just the other day. You know, Jesus said, it is the truth that will set you free. Not how many of your friends agree with you or how many of them have the same warped version of reality. You know, a problem with social media is that, you know, artificial intelligence, um, those tools, they find out what you like and they keep on, you know, giving you more and more of the similar stuff. So how do you get a perspective that is different from your own? You know, Google, Facebook, YouTube, they all track the kinds of things that you like and give you more and more of the same. And what's their goal? Their goal is to keep you on their, uh, you know, to spend more time on their platforms, you know, so that you might see more adverts and you see more adverts, they make more money. That's their goal. And you think that you are using them, but really they are using you. You know, the way that some of those things are set up is, is so hard to see a clear picture you know but don't let that dissuade you be passionate about looking for the truth the other day i was looking you know searching on something on on google and one of the challenges of, of this whole thing is you know you see what do they give you on the first page you know is it is do they decide on what should be on the first page uh, based on accuracy or is it you know what they think that you will like and and if you're really gonna look for something you might go to page two page three page four you know i was going through all those pages until you know you get the place where you are to just give up but you've got to be passionate if you want to find the truth the guys who know the truth those collecting all the data those guys who are mining all that information that that these internet giants are doing and they're making decisions based on facts they will run your life for their benefit if you know the truth, you will be free. And you will be able to make decisions that would be aligned with God and you can thrive. Lies don't produce life. They destroy it. Number four, always factor in that you are to be a blessing to others. You know, remember the first part of the great command is, is to love God and all that with all that you are. You know, heart, soul, you know, and, and strength and, you know, everything that you are. And we talked about that last week. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, God has worked into our design that our lives would be, would, were made to be helpful and blessing to other people, to have a positive impact on other people. Our focus can't just be ourselves. You know, in Genesis, we see this amazing promise that God gives to Abraham, um, a promise of blessing. It's in, 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 you know, Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. And I just want to read verse 2 and just listen carefully to what it actually says. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. That is God's intention. As he blesses us, he wants to bless other people. You know, your life, the things that you do, they should be a blessing to others. You know, asking yourself, you know, what are the things that I can see in my heart of hearts that I can contribute to other people's lives and they will be better. I can fill a need that is there. You know, actually, you know, most of the best in, in innovations and the, some of the great business opportunities come from that. Just understanding what other people need. You know, the 
the, the innovations, oh man, they make a difference because they're about blessing and enabling others. Uh, Bill Gates, you know, he, he didn't invent computers, but he realized that most of us had no means. We could never use those things. And I'm of that age that knows, man, it was difficult to use computers. And his desire was that we, he would give us tools that would enable each and every person in the world to be able to use the thing. And now, you know, those things are ubiquitous. We all have them. We have them in our pockets. But be careful. You know, be careful as you, as you do these things. You know, we paid for those, for those programs. We paid for all of those things because they were serving us. But sometimes those people who are producing those things, money starts to rule. Money starts to rule. And what was good can easily become more and more manipulative. We can start using other people rather than serving them. The focus changes to me and what I will get out of it rather than how I'm going to bless other people. And you are less and less concerned about the negative impact of the things that you do. You know, think about those, those top internet companies once again. You know, are they serving us or are they doing a work that is tied to almost enslaving some people? You know, there have been many, many complaints about, about how these things are addictive and, 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 and you know, of what the th some of the things they do, they just drive people into, into deep depression. But they won't stop or adjust. And slowly, they start becoming, you know, agents of something other than what is good, agents of evil. Listen to what John Maxwell says. He says, success is choosing to enter the arena of action, determined to give yourself to that cause that will better humanity. A successful and thriving life is not just about you. It can't be just about you. You know, that would be too, so, too, too small. It would never satisfy. Success instead, you know, is, is developing your talent and sharing it. It's, it's not just having talents. Nothing is worse than seeing someone who has so much talent, you know, just sitting on those talents instead of, sharing them instead of using them to make a contribution to other people it's your contribution that counts and maxwell you know adds adds a few words to that fine to that statement which leads us actually to our next point the, the words he adds, adds are very important you know that they, will, that they will you know bless humanity and last for eternity and this this is really important get your goals and measures of success right get it right you know, leadership gurus say, you know, it's not what you say you want um, to achieve that, that actually gets done. It's what you measure that gets done. And it's true. You know, think of those, again, once, once you look at the, the, the same companies, they started with a simple thought, you know, great product. A lot of people are going to benefit from it. But what do they measure? They might start by measuring, you know, the way people are, are being blessed and, and, and how they can enable people to benefit more but but after some time there's a shift in focus and and the focus is more how many people are on our platform and how much money can we make the things you measure become the focus of your attention and very soon you're serving money rather than god money rather than other people you must have the right perspective your eyes need to be on the right prize Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 Paul wrote and he said I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus what was Paul's goal what was his target it was God's prize and when you read the letter you see that 
that this is what he was measuring. He, he was measuring something very different. He was measuring that people saw Christ in his life. You know, despite his circumstances, even the prison warders could see that this man was in there because of Jesus. That people were growing. He's, he was looking at, you know, how are people growing as followers? How are people hearing the news, the good news about Jesus Christ? That followers of Jesus were building peace among themselves and, and growing. You know, this was his bottom line. It was relating to people. You know, he was thankful for money, for the money that these guys had sent to him. But you read that letter and you see it. His focus is on them and how they are relating with God. I must confess that it's really easy to get distracted. It's really easy. It's easy for especially money to become the bottom line. You know, the thing that we pay attention to the most and money is important. You know, actually, you know, it's the one that measures the value. It shows that people value the thing that we are producing. And it finances almost everything that we do. So it's, it's not to say that it's not important. And we need to, you know, evaluate it. We need to count it. But once that becomes our primary measure, it quickly becomes the true goal. And it becomes the true thing that is driving your life. And, and it's true even for us as a church. We have to be very careful about this. So the question for us is, so what are you measuring other than the cash return? What are you measuring other than the cash return? You know, ultimately the most important thing, and every measure should start aligning towards this, and also, you know, your whole life aligning towards this, is to be aligned to your maker's design. You know, that is where you will be able to truly thrive. And there is a goal that God has given to us that is so clear for each and every one of us. And that is that we would be like Christ, Christ-like. Romans 8, 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You know, that's God's vision for you. You know, like my son looks like me, he wants all of us to have that family resemblance. You know, and, and God wants each of us really ultimately to carry his image. And after all, that's his design. Right from the beginning, he made us in, in his image. And then Jesus came. And the Bible tells us that he is the perfect representation of God. That's Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And, and so, you know, that is the model. A model of a person that has actually succeeded in living the image of God. 1 Peter 2, 21 says, he is your example and you must follow in his steps. Make Jesus your model. And by the way, God never calls you to become Christ. You know, he, he doesn't want you to be Christ. He wants you to become like Christ. He has made each and every one of us unique with our own purpose, with our own very special purpose. None of us is Jesus and he's not expecting any of us to be Jesus, but we can make Jesus the model of our lives. You know, in our church vision statement, that's, 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 that's the big vision of the church, becoming Christ-like disciples, engaging the world. And the word Christ-like is, is one we take, uh, uh, you know, and use as an acronym to help us to see what this becoming is all about, what this aligning to, to this central thing is all about. The first one, C, is centered on God, dependent on, responding to God. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus, our model, he says, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. He was totally centered. His choices, his entire life, his prayers, they were all about God's purpose rather than his. He was holy in life, 
In him there was no sin and is a call for us to make the choice not to get contaminated. Righteous in action, that's the R. Making the choice to do what's right to bring justice into a situation. And Jesus is the ultimate justifier. You know, him on the cross. Romans 3, 23 to 25, the Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. You know, righteousness is an action. It's not just, you know, it's not the same thing as holiness. It's things that you do. And Jesus shows that ultimate picture of righteousness by making that big payment, his whole, his whole life for us. He wants us to be integrated in the body. You know, that, 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 that was his goal. When, he, when the Bible says, you know, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. What was the joy that was set before him? It's you and I. It's you and I becoming part of the family, getting connected to God. Jesus was building an eternal family and he wants us to relate as family, integrated in the body, spirit-filled for service. Because Jesus' entire ministry wasn't built on the strength of, of his power as son of God, but it was built on the dependence that he had on the Holy Spirit. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit who is the source that is available to us even today. You know, God in us, working in us and working through us to enable us to do amazing things. You know, Colossians 1.28, Paul talks about, you know, how God gives him the energy to work so powerfully because his power, the power of God is present in him. In Galatians 5.22, we are told about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's love, joy, peace, patience. Those are internal fruits, the, the state of who you are. There is kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. How your impact is on the world. How you are touching and, and impacting other people's lives. And, and, and on top of that, self-control. And that, my friends, is a life that is thriving. Truly thriving. And he wants us to be T, totally engaged. You know, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, we see that Jesus grew physically. He grew mentally. He grew spiritually. And he grew socially. And every part of life matters to God. That, was, that, that is our model. That is our model. And in Colossians 3, 23, many of us have this as a memory passage. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for God, not for human masters. Whatever you do. And that means everything. Every part of your life is to be engaged as a Christian. Totally engaged. We are to be Christ-like. Jesus lived a life on mission which he then calls us to complete, to carry forward. You know, he was building us, the church. And he says the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You know, you and I, we are in the front line. You know, we are on the front line in actual contact with all those people who are out there that are in need. They need to connect with God. And, and, and we are called to be rescuing them, to bringing them the light, to, to be salt in their lives and, and lighting up the way out of their darkness and into God's perfect plan. You know, God's life that, that Jesus opened up for all of us to share in. We will be snatching people from death. We are participating in God's eternal agenda, Jesus-like, we'll be Christ-like. Jesus was on a mission engaging the world. Our vision is to be like him, Christ-like disciples engaging the world. But it all starts with Christ. And it all ends with Christ. Hebrews 12 verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, 
the author, or rather the champion, in if reading it from the New, New Living Translation, I was remembering it from the NIV, um, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He initiates and he makes our faith perfect. That is, he brings it to an end. He finishes it. He does the complete work. We keep our eyes on him because he is our model and he is our goal. In order to thrive, to really align to our maker's design, you need to make you know, this central. You know, what is central has to be central in your life. And from that acronym, you know, Christ-like, I want to focus on the C. You know, centered on God. And, and we have an expanded statement in our vision, you know, in the, in the longer vision um, statement that, you know, just unpacks this a little bit. It says, centered on God, we are called to be worshipers, receiving, depending on, and responding to God's love and providence in Jesus Christ, in self-giving commitment. Romans chapter 11, verse 36, the Bible says, for everything comes from God and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. It's all about God. He is the source. He is the one who keeps everything going. He sustains all things and all things find their true purpose in him. And here's the amazing thing. God loves you. God loves me. God loves us. And he chose us to and he, and he just made us the object of his affection and, and he chose to do some amazing things, you know, big things, including reaching us, reaching out to us in love and inviting him, inviting us back into his family, even while we were rebelling against him. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that, that God's love is the true measure of love. 1 John 4 verse 10, it says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You were created, you were created by God for his glory and God loves you. And the number one, one purpose of your life is, is the flip of that. You know, God wants you to love him back, to respond to his love. He wants you to bring enjoyment to him. You know, one day there's a man who came to Jesus and, and asked, you know, Lord, what is the most important command in the entire Bible? And this is a passage that we come back to quite a lot here at Karura. Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38 is where Jesus is answer. And, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And you want to note that. First and greatest. God is saying, if you, if, you want to, if you don't know anything else, if you don't catch anything else, you need to get this most important thing in your life, to love me back, to respond to the love that I have for you. And that's what worship is. Worship is knowing and loving God. Your number one purpose in life, brothers and sisters, is to worship God. You know, the problem, though, is that worship is misunderstood today. You know, when I say that word worship, you know, what is, the, what is it that you think of? You know, some of us might think of, oh, it's going to church, or someone else might think it's, you know, think about prayer. But most of us think of singing. We think about singing. But worship is far, far more than all these things. Far more. Probably the best verse that defines worship is Romans 12 verse 1. And, and I'd like us to read this one out together. You know, Romans 12, verse 1. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. 
Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is the way to worship him. And I want you to note, you know, two words that are in this verse, the word because and the word give, because this is what worship is all about. You know, I want to first point out that worship is my response to God. You know, response to God's love. You know, worship is the way I react. I respond to all these love actions that God has shown me. Notice that it says because, because of all that God has done for you, we worship him. God has always been and always will be the first mover. You know, he creates us, he saves us, he forgives us, he blesses us, he protects us. You know, and then he goes even beyond that. He brings us into his family. He calls us his own children. He chooses to walk together with us and inside our lives by his spirit. And then he takes us all the way into eternity. He loves us beyond life. And that is what God's love is like. And because of these things, we worship him. And notice what we do. We give. We give. And that's the second part of, of this that I wanted to bring to your attention. Worship is giving to God. It, he gives to us, we give back to Him. Whenever you offer anything to God, you are worshiping. And it brings pleasure to God. But what is it that you can give a God who has everything, who made everything, who controls everything? He made even you. What can you give Him? What can you give Him? You can give Him your love. And you can give Him yourself your person. That's what it means when it says, give your bodies. That's what Jesus means when he says, you know, that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, holding nothing back. So we're receiving God's love. That's, that's, that's what has happened and we respond to it. And it's a very straightforward thing. You know, one part, the first part of that response is to just embrace that love. God is offering it. Embrace it that love. The next thing is that we depend on God's love and providence. It's what God did. It's what God does. It is what God is going to do that is lighting up our lives all the way to heaven. And God has then given us everything that we need for a successful life. We have received it. Second Peter 1 verse 3, he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who have called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything we need for life and godliness, everything that we need to thrive, God has provided it. It's all part of the package that Jesus brings to us. John 15 verse 5, Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do he is that life-giving sap and everything that we need has to come from Him. And by the way, that's the difference between truly thriving and drying up. Or even perhaps being like that fig tree that Jesus pointed out and cursed. Some of us know that story where Jesus looks at a tree that looks like it is, is thriving. It looks good, but it has no fruit. None of the fruit that we're supposed to be producing has it produced. And I pray that none of us will be like that none of us. May we be a fruitful people. So in a nutshell, it's what God has done. It's about what God has done. Everything you need for life, everything you need for thriving is available to you. And connected to Him, you will be fruitful. You will thrive.
thrive. Our part is to really respond. Uh, it's a response to God's love. And, and that word worship, as Romans 12 verse 1, it says, you know, the appropriate response to the one who has given us everything is to connect our lives to him, to give our lives to him in self-giving commitment. That's the response that makes sense. To offer your bodies a living sacrifice. That is something that, that fits the gift and it recognizes the giver. A living sacrifice. That is true and proper worship. It's all about God. And so we are centered on Him. Worshippers receiving, depending on, and responding to God's love and providence in Jesus Christ in self-giving commitment. You know, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's why He came. That's why He came. That your life, that my life would truly be full would truly be enjoyable, would truly be fulfilling, that we would truly thrive as a people. And that's why he went all the way to the cross. That's why he gave his life for us because that way he would connect us back to God. He would reconnect us to God's purpose for our lives. We would be able to live back in the life that God has designed us for and to be connected to God's empowerment for our lives. He would guarantee that's what he says as we are connected to him. He says, I guarantee that your life will be fruitful. With me, you will bear much fruit. We get connected to him and, and we start to thrive. Because we are connected and restored to the life-giving design and the life-giving power of the almighty God. Centered on God. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. It's an amazing promise. Much fruit. To thrive, we must be centered on what is central. We must be connected to the true life giver. Centered on God. That is what is central. May 2021 be a life for you that is connected to this amazing, empowering God who loves us so deeply and empowers us so strongly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, so, so much for all that we receive through your love. All that we receive, it's just so much. And I pray, Lord, that, that for all of us who are here, that, Lord, you will, you'll be at work in us, in our lives. All of those of us who are connected to us on, on YouTube and, and in the other places, on Father, on Fifth Estate and every other place, that Lord, you will, you will enter into our lives, that all this gift that you are to us will be so real in our lives, and that our lives, being centered on you, will thrive, that we will truly thrive in every part of our lives. Oh, Father, I pray that you will lead us, that we will know your will, so that our plans will line up with yours that, Lord, you will enable us as we step forward into that will. I thank you for the promise that you are always together with us. That, Lord, truth will always be the thing that guides us. We will not allow ourselves to be caught by the deceit of the evil one who wants to destroy our lives. Our Lord, we will be a blessing to other people 
but more than anything else, our lives will be aligned to you and that we will be centered on the one who truly matters. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.